you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it to the book of Jude. Turn to the book of Jude. It's the second to last book of the Bible, and so it should be pretty easy to find. It is a very little letter, uh, 25 verses to be exact. And this is the third week that we find ourselves in a series that we're entitling Little Letters, where we are going to have looked through four books in five weeks. And so we looked at Philemon the first week, and then these last two weeks, we have been in the book of Jude. And so we'll conclude Jude today. And so uh, as you turn there, I'll, I'll just remind you that last week, and this is in a 45 second version of what was 45 minutes uh, last week. Some of you are like, why can't you do that more often? Um, well, it's harder than you think, okay? But what, I, what we saw is this, is that Jude had deep conviction to write this little small letter. He was going to write about our common salvation in Christ, but because of something that he heard or he saw, he went away from that and he chose to speak to the church to contend for the faith, to contend for the faith because people had crept in and they were teaching things that were in opposition to the gospel and leading people into a lifestyle that was in opposition to the gospel. And so we looked at that last week and uh, today we're gonna conclude. And so we're gonna be in verses 17 through 25. And so we'll go ahead and read those now. If you will, follow along as I read out loud. This is the word of God. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt, Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Father, we ask that you would take this word and Lord, that you would allow us to see it. Lord, that you would give us eyes to see it and ears to hear it today. Lord, where there is death in our lives, God, would you resurrect? Would you bring life? Where there is darkness, would you shine your light upon us. God, where there is sin, Lord, may we turn to you and turn to your grace. God, please work by the power of your spirit in this place so that we may have freedom in Christ Jesus, walking with you, waiting for you, being yours. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So if you will, go ahead and open up your outline and we're just gonna walk straight through this today. I want you to see, first of all, number one, 
that Jude is going to call us to remember the predictions of the apostles. Remember the predictions of the apostles. And so in the midst of where people have crept in and they're leading people away from the gospel to something else, which is deadly. In the, in the wake of that, he looks and says, hey, remember what the apostles already said. Remember what they predicted. Verse 17 says, I just read it, but he says, you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you that in the last time, and you may be confused on what that means when it says the last time. The last time is referring to the time between when Jesus ascended and when he comes back again. That's what the, the last time means. We live in that time currently. And so he said to you in the last time, he said, there will be scoffers, those who mock, mock the gospel, following their own ungodly passions. These people, it's them who will cause divisions, worldly people who don't have the spirit, devoid of the spirit. And so he tells us that the apostles predicted this. So it's not a shocker this happened. It's not a shock to the Lord and it shouldn't be a shocker to the church at this time that Jude is speaking to and it shouldn't be a shocker to us today. And so the Lord Jesus's church, we must always be aware. We must remember the predictions of the apostles. I'll, I'll give you 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Peter says, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. The apostle Paul in the book of Acts chapter 20, he says this to the church. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, he says, and we need to remember this, to be alert, remembering that for three years, Paul says, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul, writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he, he speaks about these same kind of people that, that creep into the church. He says that people come in with their own desires and their own passions. He says in chapter three, and I'll just give you a couple of examples in verse one. He says, understand this, that in the last days, and keep in mind that is the time when Jesus ascended to the Father in the time that he'll come back again. We live in that time now. He says, understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here's what fools me. I mean, it just, this shocks me every time I read it. The verse five says, having the appearance of godliness. So after all of those things that we just read, this on the inside, it says having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. It says avoid such people. 
Later on in 2 Timothy 3 says some of the words that, that you have probably found much comfort. I know I have over the years, but in verse 14 of chapter three, he says, but as for you to Timothy, he says, continue in what you've learned and what you firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, talking about the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Last example is 2 Timothy chapter four. And you'll also probably remember uh, this text. He, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That includes those who creep in and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, be alert, enduring suffer, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists and fulfill your ministry. And so point is, is that Jude just begins by saying, hey, th this has already been predicted that this would happen. So don't be shocked, but be alert, be alert. Pastoral note here, I, I need to say this. When we hear straying away from the faith, wandering from the faith, this is not Jude telling us to beware of when music styles change. That, that's not what he's saying. And so don't walk out of here saying, well, I was taught that you had to do a certain type of music or play it a certain way. That, that's not what we contend for. You can have that as your preference. And, and that's okay. Like we all have preferences. But that's not what we're contending for here. And that's not what we need to be alert of. I'll just go ahead and tell you. You, you can be alert. People have different preferences about music in the room. Okay? So that's not what we're talking about. It's not even about structures as far as ministry goes. It's not even about methods. We need to be, make sure that our methods look like what the scripture calls us to. But what this is about is you need to be alert because people will creep in. It is possible to have someone who is leading people away from salvation through Christ Jesus, leading away from the faith, the gospel. And so be alert. And we have that the apostles predicted this. So first he says the apostles predicted this. Don't, don't be shocked, just be alert. Number two, he's gonna tell us, he tells the church here and he communicates to us as well that we must remain in God's love. Remain in God's love. Look at verse, let's see, let me go ahead and teach you this here. I'm gonna break it down a little bit differently than I was going to previously. Look at verse 20. It says, but you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. 
without going into great detail, the way that the original language is broken down here places emphasis on the remaining or keeping in God's love. And so the way that he's gonna write is he's gonna say, we, we are to remain in God's love or abide in Christ, keep in the love of God by, and he gives three things that we are to do. So if you say, well, what does it look like to remain in God's love? He gives us three ways. And so Jude is gonna be, he, he's done this consistently and he'll continue to do it throughout our study this morning, but he'll give a description of something and then he'll give a triplet to follow it. So he'll give three, uh, three parts of it, okay? And so here he says, remain in God's love. And it's gonna be, if you look at your outline, by building yourselves up in the faith, by praying in the spirit, and by waiting patiently and purposely for his return. And so let's look first there, what that means. Remaining God's love is we build ourselves up in the faith. So we've been talking about the defensive, you know, like, so be alert, be watchful, beware. We've been talking about that. But now he's gonna shift and he's gonna say, okay, now it's time to get your offensive game on. Now it's time, not, you're not just watching for people who are going against something. Now you're gonna be pushing forward for the gospel's sake in your own walk. And so it's time for you to grow. It's time for you to build up the faith that is, that is in you. And so this is something for us uh, to do. And so the Lord tells us, he, he wants us to pursue the faith. Like he has pursued us. And now he desires us to, in his word, pursue the faith that's been handed to us. Like, it's a precious gift. Like, what a precious gift that we have in God's word. Amen? I mean, I mean this is wonderful that, that we hold the word of God. And what Jude is saying is, man, build yourselves up in the faith. And to do that, we have to what? We have to know it. We have to know the promises of God that's for us. And so I'm gonna give you, this is a, the, the way that I say this often, but when we say to build ourselves up in the faith, I, I'm gonna suggest this is a good way to think about it. Build yourselves up in the faith by doing this. Finding out in God's word whose we are, who we are in Christ, and what is ours in Christ. Okay? so. I would encourage you to write that down because we're gonna talk about it and reference it several times. We need to be about, through God's word, learning whose we are as we have come to Christ, who our father is, whose we are, who we are in Christ, adopted sons of God. That's, that's who we are. We are justified. We are people who will be glorified. We can learn things about who we are in Christ. And then lastly, what is ours in Christ? Like what will, what belongs to us and what will ultimately be given to us because of who we are in Jesus? That's what we need to grow in. And we need to grow in the way that that was purchased for us. And so for instance, if, if you are to remain in God's love, one of the greatest things you can do is look at God's love in the greatest way he displayed it for us. Look at the cross of Christ. Learn from the Bible what was accomplished for us, how he accomplished it. The great sacrifice and the substitution 
that took place on the cross. And as we learn about who Christ is and what he did for us, it makes our heart beat faster for him. It grows our affections for the Lord. Remain in God's love by building yourselves up in the faith. So pursue the faith, know the promises, know whose you are, who you are, and what is yours in Christ Jesus. And it's from our faith growing. It's as we pursue the faith, as we learn more of this, and as our mind is engaged, it's from this that we'll see ourselves pray in a much greater and freer way. We're gonna move from this to praying in the spirit. Now, before I do that, let me make one comment on building yourselves up in the faith. Believers, people who are in Christ, Christians, we experience God's love as our understanding of our faith increases. So the more that our uh, knowledge of the faith increases and we connect to that and the Lord builds that in us, we'll experience God's love in a greater way. So love for God increases not through bypassing the mind, not by checking it in at the door, but by means actually of the Lord's work through it. This is so important. And so like a lot of us, we exercise our brains on many, many things. I wanna encourage you, as far as the utmost importance, exercise your brain on thinking on the Lord. Thinking on whose you are in him, who you are in Christ and what is yours. Don't hang your brain at the door, but grow as the Lord works through it. So build yourselves up in the faith. Secondly, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Now, there have been people who have read the book of Jude and their interpretation of that is that we are to pray in tongues. I don't believe that's what Jude is saying. I'm not gonna give my breakdown of what I believe about speaking in tongues right now, but I don't believe that's what is being communicated here in the book of Jude. I think what he's saying is something that, that all of us in Christ do. We pray in the spirit. This is not like, you know, you know, the really like super awesome Christians who can do this. This is any Christian who prays to the Lord is gonna pray in the spirit. And he's saying, pursue prayer, pray to the Lord, grow in your relationship, go to him. And so I'm just gonna give you three things here very quickly. I'm gonna encourage you church to pray truth. You may say, well, well obviously, well, not everybody does. Sometimes we just, we just pray and pray and pray and we don't really acknowledge the things that he's given us in his word to pray for. And so, you know, go to God's word and pray from it. Pray truth, pray scripture. I mean, find prayers that are in the Bible and pray them. I mean, that, that's something that has given me some of the greatest freedom in my Christian life is uh, Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter three, prayers that I find in the Bible. And then I know that Paul prayed them for the church. And so I can pray them for myself, my household and for the church I pastor. It brings great freedom. I think sometimes we'll find, or I, I don't think it's sometimes, I think we will find that as we frame our prayer lives, with the scriptures that will actually find greater freedom when we pray. So pray truth by praying scripture. But then before you get too uptight 
when I say that also, just man, pray like a child. Pray like a child. When I pray for you, when somebody says, hey, you know, will you pray for me or I get a text message or something to pray for something? One of the things I often do is I'll ask Annie Ruth to pray. Really, I'll ask Annie, I'll go find her and I'll say, let's pray for, you know, whoever. Because it's amazing how distracted we can be. It's It's amazing how hard we can often be in our hearts how blind we can be to the work of the kingdom around us. And yet you ask a little child who believes and sometimes you'll find that they, they don't really have all of these things that are distracting them from just asking the Lord and believing. They just believe. And so a child who has faith in Jesus Christ, that's who you need to find and ask to pray. Because they, they just know Jesus hears. Or sometimes we forget. So pray truth, pray the scripture, but as you do it, pray like a child. So remain in God's love by building yourselves up in the faith, by praying in the spirit. And, and from our faith, from this truth, we pray and also we learn to wait. Wait patiently and purposefully for his return. And this is important for us who are in the last days because we know that he ascended to the father and the word tells us that he will come back again. And so for us, it is a practice for us and it's a discipline to wait well. And so Jude says, man, remain in the love, in God's love by building yourselves up in the faith, making sure that we're clinging to God's promised word Pray in the spirit. Oh, always work on your relationship with him. And also wait well, wait patiently and purposefully for his return. Give you a couple of scriptures on this. Titus chapter two, this is one of my favorite passages in all of the scriptures. It says this in verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. So this is important for us when, you know, we're told to remain in God's love. What Paul is saying here to Titus is he's saying a way to do that and a great way to do that and the best way to do that is by studying the grace that's appeared in Christ. That the grace of God, the salvation that comes to us in Christ, that is what will train us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. And he says in the next part, he says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. And so this is Paul writing to Timothy. To, he's encouraging him in what Jude is telling us to do. So he's telling us to remain in God's love. And the way that he told us to do that, to be built upon the truth, to pray in the spirit and to wait for the second coming, Right here, that's exactly what he describes. So if you wanna learn how to do that, read Titus 2, 11 through 14. 
It's wonderful. A couple of other texts, and we'll go to Hebrews 10. Actually, we'll do Hebrews 9 first. Verse 27 and 28 says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 24, tells us, uh, actually 23 and 24, says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. This is good to know for those who are waiting. Verse 24, he says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day the day that we're waiting on drawing near. There's so many more texts that we could look at, but just, just to understand, he, he's telling us to uh, not only remember the predictions, don't be shocked, just be alert. When people have crept in, they're teaching things that are false. But secondly, you remain in God's love. Always be building your faith, like study and, and build God's word in your heart so that you may not sin against him. Build your lives on the word of God and on his promises. Pray in the spirit and wait patiently and purposefully for him to return. Number three, Jude is gonna teach us also to respond rightly to those who are being misled by the false teaching. So learn to respond rightly to those who are being misled. Verse 22 and 23 teach us this. It says, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. I want you to hold your place where we are and I want you to turn to a book that you may not know where it is. So use your table of contents if you need to, but turn over to Zechariah chapter three. Zechariah chapter three. This is important for us and it'll take a couple minutes, but it'll be so important for us to understand these, these words. Zechariah 3 is actually, or was referenced last week in verse nine. You, you may not have known that, but it was. Where we, where we saw him say, uh, where Michael said to Satan, and this is such a strange place, but as they were wrestling over the body of Moses, he said, the Lord rebuke you. That is a quote from Zechariah chapter three. And so I'm gonna read that and then we're just gonna make sure we understand what this is teaching and then see it. Uh, we, we can see it throughout these two verses here in Jude. Zechariah three, starting in verse one. It says, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And so this is the one that he was going to come on behalf of God's people to pray and bring sacrifices, okay? So this is Joshua, the high priest. He stands before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And so the picture here is that Joshua has been purified through all the processes that he needed to do according to the law. And now he is standing there in his uh, priestly garments and Satan's next to him accusing him. 
Verse two says, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. This is so important. So he had on his garments that supposed to make him clean, that he would be representing the people. And yet he's there and his garments are dirty. They're filthy for all to see. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, behold, I've taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Later on in this text, it's gonna reference the coming of the righteous branch. That's a reference to Jesus Christ, who is the one that ultimately can provide us with righteous garments. But the picture here is that if anybody is to be clean, it's Joshua the high priest. And yet there's Satan standing next to him accusing him because he stands condemned and filthy. And yet the Lord speaks a greater word over him and says, now this is one that I have plucked from the fire. This is one that I have removed and I have now clothed him myself. Jude has Zechariah chapter three in mind when he writes verses 22 and 23 of Jude. And so we're gonna read it one more time and see if you see it there. He says, and have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire and to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained that's made filthy by the flesh. So first we see that Jude is saying, and it's a triplet again, don't reject or ignore those who are wavering. So church, I speak this over you today. The Lord is speaking this over us for us not to ignore or reject or neglect those who are doubting in our midst. Don't neglect those who are wavering. That is something that over time, the the more that I speak to individuals who are fresh in their faith or those who are not yet believing, who I'm having conversations with, one of the most consistent things that I hear is that they had doubts, they had struggles, they had things they were dealing with and nobody would listen to them. People would shame them. Church, may that not be said of us and as one who many times in my life wavered. I need you to know there are people like me that struggle in their faith and the Lord cares, the Lord is with them and we need to be too. Jude says, do not reject or or ignore those who are wavering. Have mercy, compassion on them. Listen to them. Guide them to what the word of God says, who they can be in Christ and what is theirs in Christ, whose they are. Teach them that God's good and that he loves them. Don't show them a picture of God that is one that would reject and ignore their words. Lead them instead mercifully to the faith. 
He says, don't reject or ignore those who are waving. Have mercy on those who doubt. Secondly, he says, reach in with mercy and love to, this is such a strong word, to snatch out those in the fire to snatch them out, save those who are being pulled away from the faith. Don't think here as much saving in, in the way that we think of with the Lord. Only the Lord can save. But what this is saying is that church, save those by you going and snatching them away. And the way that we snatch, it, it, it's not violent. It, it's with mercy and grace and with love and with kindness, with gentleness, but also being bold to come and kindly point them to, grab them and snatch them away from what the enemy would love to accuse them of and bring them to the Lord, what he says about them. What he says about our sin, that it's infinitely offensive. But what he says about his love and grace, that in our place, Jesus died. And so the wrath that would land on our heads landed on the sun. And now look whose we are, who we are in Christ and what is ours. Snatch them in the truth. Pull them away from what is uh, snatching them away from the faith and you snatch them back. Whose they are, who they are and what is theirs. And then lastly, show mercy with fear. And more than likely this is referring to, it could even be referring to the false teachers. We don't really know but probably those who have devoted themselves to that teaching. They've walked away and said, I will not believe the gospel anymore. I will believe something else. And Jude says, even there, he says, show mercy with fear. Look at verse uh, 23. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. This could, I think, be, I think this could be something that you would take and uh, use wrongly. And so I, I want to do the best to tell you what this is saying. This is saying for us, not that we fear people, not, not that you are to fear all those sinners. I, I think this is that we're to fear God. We're to fear God as we show compassion on others. That we're to abide well in the Lord and, and understand, like for me, recognizing my own sin and recognizing God's grace in my life, it pushes me to any sinner and to show grace to any person because I know how great the grace I have been given is. But we do that and we should do that with, with a fear, with, with a proper fear. This, this is something, I, I think Jude is saying here a couple of things. One is he's saying, yes, as you dive in, you don't forget the gospel yourself. As you dive in, you remain in God's love. You don't forget whose you are, who you are in Christ and what is yours. No, there's nothing better Cling to it. But don't you forget my mercy and my grace that I have for that person in front of you. Please show it. Show it well and show it even with fear. Lastly, and we'll just read this. 
Verse one started with this, Judah, servant of, of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And it ends with this. Now to him who is able to keep you. Isn't that wonderful? To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever, amen. He says, rejoice in our God who's able to keep us from stumbling. I, I, I cling to that often. As a person who knows what it feels like to fall down, this is the Lord saying to me, Colby, I'll keep you. I'll keep you. I'll keep you from stumbling. Doesn't mean he'll keep us from like sinning. It means he'll keep us from ultimately walking away from him who is able to keep us from stumbling. Rejoice in our God who will finish what he started in us. Praise the Lord. Rejoice in our God who alone can save, who alone has plucked us out of the fire through the gospel of his son. It's here that as Satan sits next to each of us and accuses you, that we hear the Lord speak over you saying, I pluck them out of the fire. They're mine. The Lord rebuke you. Satan has no word over me. Rejoice in our God who has all glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. And rejoice in our God who is forever and always trustworthy and good. That is the book of Jude. So today as we respond and as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, come to the Lord wherever you are. He's here. He's able to keep you. He loves you. Come to him today. If there's someone here today that you're not a Christian, hear the Lord say, I'm here to pluck you out. The Lord loves to save. The Lord loves to bring life. Come to him today, wherever you are. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word.